Hey, good morning and welcome. We're so honored that you'd be with us this morning, and I'm so excited to be here. I've taken the last couple of weeks off of preaching, and I'm just excited to be back, to, to be with you again. And I am stoked about this series that we're in called The New You. And what this series is all about is that you have been given or can receive a new life in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, because of his death, resurrection, that you can receive a life in him. But when you receive this new life, you got to figure out what is, how do I walk out this new lifestyle? And I became a dad and some things had to change when I became a father. When I had my first child, my little girl, I came home and I quickly realized my schedule needs to change. This little girl needs my time. I realized my budget needs to change. Like, I don't know if you don't know this, but kids ain't free, okay? You, you got to buy some stuff. I realized my relationships needed to change. I needed some parents in my life to help me figure out how to do this thing called parenting. My life changed when my daughter was born. My lifestyle needed to change so that I could match my new life with her. That's what this series is all about. God said he would make you new when you put your faith in Jesus. Jesus changed your life if you've put your faith in him. Maybe you're watching this and you're not a Christian. I just want to tell you today that you can have a life with God and that is a new life, but then you got to learn how do I live a new lifestyle? And that's what this series is all about. Today, I'm talking about baptism. And if you're new to church, baptism is the greatest moment in a Christian's life. It's, it's the moment that we go public with our faith and we tell the world, I'm following him now. And if you're not used to church, baptism can be weird. I'm just being honest. Baptism is kind of odd. If, if you think about it, I mean, everyone gets all excited and giddy. and We dim the lights and we talk it up. And then some guy is sitting in a bathtub on a stage. And someone like me comes up and say, you know, ask him a few questions and then dunks him in the tub. Like it's like when I was in middle school and me and a buddy would we'd be trying to dunk each other the whole time in the pool. Well, at baptism, I win every time. When I do baptisms, I, I dunk you every single time. It's kind of odd if you think about it. Matter of fact, I had a friend who was new to church, wasn't raised in church, and he came to my church in St. Louis for the very first time, and it was a baptism Sunday, and I thought, man, he just saw an amazing thing. I want to see how it impacted him, and I asked him, hey, what, what did you feel about today? And he said, yeah, that thing with the water, it kind of reminded me of this vampire movie I watched once where they kind of did that when someone came into, and I was like, man, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But this is kind of odd if you're not used to it. But, but baptism is actually a beautiful thing. Baptism is a powerful thing. I've realized in studying this that, that I've had too small of thoughts about baptism and, and God has been increasing my thoughts about baptism. Baptism is a privilege and an honor. It's a, it's a God thing. And I pray that today your thoughts about baptism would increase, that you would grow in the knowledge of the joy and the honor that we have in being baptized. And baptism is very important. By definition, baptism is an outward expression of an internal reality of faith. You, you have been born again when you come to faith in Jesus. You, you get your new life with him the day that you receive him, but you tell the world about it. You express it in your baptism. It's a dramatization of salvation by faith. Baptism is a declaration of the good news of Jesus. When you go down into the water, you're declaring to the world with, with Jesus, just as 
as this water cleanses my body, so Jesus has cleansed me of my sins. And just as I go down into the water, I'm declaring that that old person has died with him. And when you come up out of the water, you're declaring that with Jesus, I have a new resurrected life. And in this life, my sins have been forgiven. All my sins and my old life are left in the water and my new life is with him forever. Baptism is a beautiful thing. It's a declaration that because of his death, burial, and resurrection, all people everywhere can be forgiven of their sins and be made right with God. It states, baptism states that that moment 2,000 years ago can be my reality today. Because of his death, because of his burial, because of his resurrection, I can be forgiven and have a relationship with God. Baptism, if you're taking notes, has its roots in the love of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't when I cleaned my life up. It wasn't when I straightened myself out. It wasn't when I quit sinning that God started loving me, but Christ died for me in my worst moments. Christ died for you in your most sinful moments. Christ died for you when you had strayed and gone as far as you've ever gone before. That's when Christ died for you. Maybe you think to yourself, Dylan, you don't know what I've done. Like you don't know the sins I've committed. Well, let me just tell you this. I know that the Apostle Paul murdered Christians before Jesus met him on the Damascus Road. I know that a friend of mine in St. Louis was a gangster in California for 25 years, literally one of the biggest heroin addicts and dealers and murdered people. And I know that he experienced the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. He faithfully serves our church. His life has been transformed. I have another friend who for most of his adult life. When he was born, he was born into the church. He was born into a good Christian family. He, he came out saying Jesus. He, he was birthed at the altar, you know, like this boy was raised in church for most of his adult life. He'd go on business trips and hire prostitutes and come home and lead worship at his church. His life was a double life. And finally, when he came out and said, this is the life I've been living God forgave him. God cleansed him. His life was transformed. He's been restored to a real relationship with Jesus. I'm just telling you these things to tell you that there's nothing you can do that's too far. There's not a single person that's outside of the reach of God. And if you've strayed, if you've wandered, maybe you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, you can receive forgiveness today. You can receive life today because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And if you've been baptized your baptism is to forever be a reminder to you that he has forgiven you, that in that water your sins remained, that, that Jesus Christ crucified you with him in your baptism. And if you've not been baptized, you need to be baptized as an expression of your faith and a reminder to your soul of what Christ has done for you. Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says, but where sin increased, Grace abounded all the more. That means when you have one mountain of sin in your life, God has two mountains of grace. There's no person who can reach a level of sinning that is beyond the grace of God. But then this question comes, which is the question of our passage today. And the question is, if God's grace is so lavish, if God's mercy has no end, then why don't I just keep sinning? Like, why not just keep living the life that is far from God and, and is enjoyable and fun, which, which let me tell you, sin is fun. I sinned a lot before I became a Christian. I've sinned some since I've become a Christian. I, I remember in my sin, it was fun. 
Every time I sin, it's fun. I enjoy it. I like it. And if, if you're sinning and it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. Like sin is fun, but it will leave you empty. It will leave you dead. It has temporary pleasure, not eternal pleasure. There's temporary joy, not eternal joy. And sin disconnects you and separates you from your relationship with God, which is your ultimate joy. So Paul asked this question, which really was a question posed to him after he preached this message of the grace and the salvation of Jesus in Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6. They asked him, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Like if sinning only puts God's grace on display, why not sin more? And he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 2, by no means. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? This is a big point for Paul. He makes it in most of his New Testament letters that Jesus set us free so that we could be free. He set us free so that we could walk in our freedom. He gave you a new life so you could have a new lifestyle. He, he changed you forever so that you could know him eternally. Jesus set you free so that you could be free not so that you can continue in your life of sin. And when you're in Jesus, your sin loses power over you. So when I became a Christian, I desired sin less and I desired God more. I used to feel at home in my sin and now I feel at home with God. When I do sin, I feel out of place. I feel like it doesn't belong to me. Excuse me, I'm sorry, my, my voice, I'm screaming a little too much, I guess. I feel out of place in my sin. I feel at home with him. Why? Because he's changed my heart. He set me free and now I'm made for freedom. He goes on, he says, when you're baptized, you're baptized into the death of Jesus. Romans chapter six, verse three, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Baptism is a stake in the ground for every Christ follower to look back on and remember, I have died, past tense, with Christ. The old man is gone, never to come back. It's hard to tempt a dead man. We must consider ourselves dead to sin. Baptism helps us with that. What do you do with a dead man? Well, you bury him, right? That's what baptism is. Baptism is a funeral service for your old Life And it's a resurrection service for the new life that you have in Jesus. He goes on, Romans chapter 6, verse 4, he says, So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. There is a new life for you that is available to you in Jesus Christ when you put your faith in him. Mike talked about it last week, that there is salvation available to everyone who would call on his name. Baptism is where you express that. Baptism is where you take a step of obedience into that. Baptism, as I said, is a dramatization of salvation by faith. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. And so if you have experienced this inward reality of faith and you've not taken a step of obedience in baptism, that is your next step. Your next step in Christianity is not to read your Bible more, go to church more, pray more, although I would encourage you to do all those things. Your very next step is to be baptized, to obey Jesus in baptism. And maybe you're listening and you don't have an inward reality of faith. You've never put your trust in Jesus. You've never called on him to save you. That's your next step. And the moment you do that, 
which I'll give you an opportunity to do here in a few minutes. The moment you call on Jesus to save you and forgive you, your very next step is to be baptized. Let me ask you some questions. Let's ask some maybe hard questions. Why should a Christ follower be baptized? I've got four reasons for you. Number one, because Jesus himself was baptized. He set the example for us. We are to follow him in every way in this life. He was baptized. We should be baptized. Number two, because Jesus commanded us to be baptized. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he tells his disciples, he says, go out into all the world, make more disciples, tell more people, baptize them, and then teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Baptism is a command of Jesus. And if we just had these two reasons, Jesus was baptized and he commanded us to be baptized. That should be enough for us because Christians, by definition, are those who obey Jesus and follow Jesus. And he commanded us to be baptized. Number three, the third reason you should be baptized, the example of the early church. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples immediately baptized everyone who became a Christian. 3,000 people saved and added in Acts chapter 2, and they baptized every single one of them. Philip endorsed baptism by baptizing the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8, verse 38. Other accounts of the early church, every baptism is with new Christ followers. Just as a side note, every time someone's baptized, it's not because of their mother's faith or their father's faith or their grandmommy's faith or their co-worker's faith. They're baptized because of their faith. Baptism is a step of obedience and it's an expression of your Faith. Maybe you were baptized at a, at a younger age and it wasn't an expression of your faith. It was an expression of your parents' faith. I want to encourage you. Baptism is an expression of your own faith. I was baptized at a, age eight and my parents, they loved me. It was a good intended thing, but it meant nothing to me because I wasn't a follower of Jesus. I spent my teenage years far from Jesus. I had never confessed faith in Jesus once in my life. So at 17 years old, when I became a Christian and I gave Jesus my life, I was baptized. And I look back on age eight when I was baptized, and I think that wasn't really a baptism. That was a swim in a pool with a church, with a, with a church looking on. Now, I thank God for the, the intent, but the baptism wasn't a baptism. At age 17, that's when I had my baptism. And because I had my baptism after I had expressed my own faith, I, I don't need another one the rest of my life. We only get baptized once as a step of obedience to Jesus, but we do it as an expression of our own faith. Number four reason you should be baptized is because of theological writings. Romans, Corinthians, Colossians, Galatians, Philippians. Paul is talking about baptism often. He's often referring back to the Christian's baptism moment. It's a big deal in the theological writing. So Jesus was baptized. He commanded us to be baptized. The early church did baptism. And all the theological writings point back to, or many of the theological writings point back to the believer's baptism. This is a big big deal. It's a big moment in the life of a Christian. And if you've never taken this step, this is your step today. Maybe you're asking, Dylan, how do I know if I'm ready to be baptized? Well, hey, great question. And in asking this, you may be asking, do I need to be mature first as a Christian before I get baptized? Like, do I need to know more of my Bible or do I need to pray more? Do I need to deal with more of my sin before I get baptized? Well, hey, Matt, it's a great question. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus gave us the command to go and make disciples in all the earth. 
and then to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and then to teach them to observe all that he's commanded us. Well, hey, you make someone a disciple. You become a Christian. The very next thing you do is get baptized, and then you spend the rest of your life following him and obeying him and learning what he's taught. So no, you don't need to become a better Christian. No, you don't need to read more Bible or spend more hours in prayer or, or, or deal with some more of your sin before you get baptized. Actually, your first step of obedience is to get baptized. And then you spend the rest of your Christian life doing all of those things. Baptism, if I could use some illustrations, is like putting on the team jersey. I remember when I was in high school and I joined the football team and, and the moment that I got my jersey, it validated, man, I'm a part of this team. My name is on the back. I've got my own number. I am a part of the Central Indians football team. And I felt validated by that. Baptism is the moment you put on the team jersey. You put on Team Jesus on your jersey. You put on the jersey because you say, I'm a part of him and I want everyone to know. It's kind of like putting on a wedding ring. The moment my wife and I exchanged our vows, that's the moment we got married. And matter of fact, if I take my ring off right now, it's a little snug. Your boys gained a few pounds. The minute I, if I take my ring off, listen, I'm still married. Rebecca and I are still married. I still love her. She still loves me. We, we became married when we exchanged our vows. We will be married till death do us part. But this ring tells everyone that I belong to Rebecca and she belongs to me. My kids often say, Daddy, I want to play with your ring. And oftentimes I say, no, because I want everyone to know that Daddy belongs to Mommy. And I don't want you to lose it. Or I want everyone to know. That's what your baptism is. When you express faith in Jesus, that's the moment you're saved. That's the moment you're joined to him by faith in your salvation. But when you're baptized, you put on the ring. You tell the world, I belong to him. And you look back on that always as a reminder. I belong to Jesus. Maybe you're asking the question, how should water baptism happen? Well, number one, we believe with lots of water. Some sprinkle or pour. We see immersion, fully immersed in water as the biblical mode of baptism. The, the Greek word baptizo, which is where we get our word baptism, means to plunge or dip or immerse. So that's what the word actually means. The New Testament, it always seemed to happen where there's lots of water. And because of what water symbolizes, it makes sense that it would happen with a full immersion. Water baptism represents our joining with Jesus in burial and resurrection. It's a symbolism which sprinkling entirely misses. Take a look at Paul's brief description of baptism in Romans chapter 3, 6 to 4. He says, do you not know that all of us, and just imagine sprinkling in this text instead of immersion. Im imagine what this text is imaging for us. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized or immersed into Christ Jesus were baptized or immersed into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism or immersion into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The text and the scripture seem to point to a full immersion in water. When they were baptized in the Jordan River, I don't think they sprinkled them. They immersed them in water. It literally says they came up out of the water. So we believe baptism is done with lots of of water. We also believe it's done with lots of people watching. This, this is not a secret thing. This is a public thing. 
Most biblical accounts happen in public places, like in Acts chapter 2 when they were baptized in the Jordan River. Because of what baptism says about Jesus, it's good to do it with a lot of people watching so a lot of people can celebrate and a lot of people can hear this message of what Jesus has done. Most people find the best way to be baptized is on a Sunday morning during service. We have a baptism service coming up August 8th, Sunday, August 8th. It's three weeks away. I want to invite you to be baptized. I'm going to invite you to express your faith through baptism. Sunday, August 8th is when we do it. But if you want to get in on that, you got to sign up today. So mark your card, talk to your host on the chat, send us an email, whatever you got to do to get a hold of us. Let us know you want to be baptized on Sunday, August 8th. Who actually does the baptizing? Maybe that's a question you're asking. Well, typically church leaders, elders or deacons or small group leaders are the ones who normally carry out the baptisms. Although it's often amazing when a member of the church who led the person to faith in Jesus gets to participate in the baptism. That's an incredible experience as well. And we want to encourage you to bring everyone that you know. So if you're being baptized on August 8th, invite your friends and your family and your coworkers and your neighbors to come and see and celebrate what God has done in your baptism. And they don't have to be just Christians. If there's someone who doesn't know Jesus, this is an amazing day to invite them to see something that God has done in your life and to see a picture of what Jesus has done for them what does water baptism achieve? Maybe that's a question you're asking. What are the direct benefits to me being baptized? Well, number one, the pleasure of knowing I have imitated and obeyed Jesus. Number two, courage and boldness. Many people say in my moment of baptism, I became more courageous and more bold in my faith. I had more confidence at Jesus at work in my life. And, and because I invited neighbors and friends and coworkers and family members to see my baptism, I feel like I've kind of crossed that line with them of being able to talk about these things. It puts courage and boldness in you. It's, it's an encouragement for believers. That's the third thing that it does. It, it's an encouragement for believers. The whole church looking on gets to celebrate and rejoice God at work in your life. That's a great encouragement to the church. The fourth thing is a testimony to unbelievers. It testifies of what Jesus has done for them. As we close, I want to make a few invitations. I want to invite you today. Maybe you have never called on the name of Jesus to forgive your sins and to give you a life with him. I want to invite you today to take that step. And if that's where you're at, I know that there's no power in the words that I'm getting ready to say, but there's power in the faith in your heart. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. And this prayer is not magic. This prayer is just a guide to help you know how to talk to God. But if you have faith that Jesus Christ died for your sins and he rose from the dead to give you life in his name and you want to commit your life to following him and you want to ask him to forgive you of your sins, then today you can be saved. Today you can be forgiven. And that happens through expressing your faith to him. So I just want to pray with you. If you're, if you're ready to take that step today, I want to encourage you to repeat this prayer after me. Wherever you are, maybe close your eyes and bow your head and simply repeat this prayer. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you that he died for me and he rose from the dead and that he has made it available to me to be forgiven of my sins and to have a life with you. Please forgive me of all my sins 
Forgive me of my past sins. Forgive me of my future sins. And give me a new life with Jesus. Please fill me with your spirit and help me to live my life obeying you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, let us know. We would love to help you get started in your walk and just help you in this journey. And we'd love to baptize you on Sunday, August 8th. Also, if you're listening to this, maybe you've never taken the step of obeying Jesus in baptism. Maybe you are a Christian. You have believed in Jesus, but you've never obeyed Jesus by expressing your faith in baptism. I just want to pray for you before we close. So Father, I pray for every single person who maybe that is their situation. God, would you bless them? Would you give them courage and boldness to take this step of obedience? And would you fill their heart with the joy of knowing that as they obey you in baptism, they're pleasing your heart and they're expressing the message of Jesus to the world around them. Father, I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. I pray you bless them and you keep them. You make your face to shine upon them. I pray that you, you cause them to walk out of this recording and just wherever they're watching today to walk out encouraged and blessed. And I pray that you would strengthen their faith and you'd strengthen their walk in the name of Jesus. Amen.